Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, October 22nd. The Chicago Bears are looking to improve to 6-1 and one on the year here in just a few short days on Monday night football against the 4-2 and two L.A. Rams in the biggest game of the season to date. I'm Russ Wildewitt. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And if you're like us, I bet you cannot wait for MNF. How you doing, Nick? Doing well, Will. How about yourself? Doing all right. Hanging in there. This week's going by pretty quick, which is exciting. We get a full weekend in front of us, and then we get to do a Bears game on Monday night, uh, which is always fun. I know that Tuesday morning I'm going to be groggy, and it's going to be hopefully worth it. We'll talk about that uh, throughout this show, but I did mention, as we all know, no game on Sunday. Do you have any special Sunday plans without the Bears, or are you just going to watch other NFL action? Yeah, I think my girlfriend and I are going to go out to breakfast. Gets, I, I'm a big breakfast guy, and I usually don't get to go out to eat. I, like like you know, Will, I don't eat during games, so I try to have a good breakfast before. So we're going to live it up, maybe go to Wildberry. I don't know if you know what that is, Will. I went just, there. It's a good place. Uh, where did are you doing the one like up there, like downtown Chicago, up there by the lake? 
There's actually one in Libertyville, and that's where actually a lot of Bears players will go to hang out and eat. They won't be there probably this this week because they should be in L.A., but yeah, I plan on going to Wildberry, getting some breakfast, and then just probably watching football for the remainder of the day. What about you? That's some great stuff. Uh, probably just hanging out with the kid, uh, going outside playing football, watching football. We have some dinosaur crafts that we're going to work on as well. But yeah, Wildberry, I went there the day after I got married uh, for breakfast because uh, I got married in Chicago. So we went there for our uh, next morning meal, which was it's delicious. So it's, it's really good. You're making some good decisions there, Nick. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear about that report on Monday. Uh, we won't even talk Bears football. We'll just sit there and we'll talk about breakfast. Uh, I'm sure that's what everyone wants to tune in for. But we do have, honestly, though, Nick, a very big game here to talk about between the Bears and the Rams. Third meeting in three years between these two teams. Lots to discuss and dissect. Are you ready to kind of get going? Yeah, let's do it. All right, beginning like we always do, let's talk about just our initial perception of the Rams. For me, Nick, uh, another, every week, the last three weeks, a good test is the way to look at this team. They're the only team in the NFL right now in the top 10 in offense as well as in defense. So this Rams team, they're good defensively, but I don't think they're the best defense that we face so far this year. Uh, and honestly, what uh, when I'm looking at the Rams, I know what they pose in terms of a threat on offense. I think everyone does. Um, but the most important thing uh, that I wanted to mention here as I'm just looking at my perception and looking at just at the season flow and where things are, they're probably real pissed off from how they played against the 49ers. And I don't like playing good teams that are pissed off. And that's what worries me the most is like their attitude coming into the game because I think if they beat the 49ers, maybe they take the Bears easy. But now with them on a loss a game that they think they should have won going up against the Bears, who now have the second best record in the NFC. Rams have the third. I think they're going to have a little bit more uh, fight in them. Not that they wouldn't anyway, but I think a little bit extra inside that tank. And we'll talk about it if it's enough or not. Um, But overall, like I said, another really good test for the Bears to find out how they stack up here in our conference. How about you? Yeah, it's definitely a good test. And look, there's extra motivation for an Aaron Donald who was on SportsCenter earlier this week. He's never sacked Nick Foles, and they asked him about that. He's like, oh, thanks for the extra motivation. It's like, oh, great. Now, the you know, arguably the best defender of football has extra motivation against a Bears offensive line. But we'll, we'll get into it. Um, initial perception, though, this is a team that has four wins and against the NFC East. So I have a mixed bag of what this Rams team is, and... Last week against the 49ers, I think it's the first time I've really ever seen this, Will. Both teams, the 49ers and the Rams, they didn't have a sack, so I couldn't get a feel of... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. How good this Rams defense really was or how good it isn't. And then also this Rams offensive line, how good it is against the pass rush because everybody was a stalemate. So, and like I said, it's a mixed bag. They lose to the good teams that they played so far. They beat the NFC East and... A lot like the Bears. Are they for real? And I think this Monday night matchup is really going to prove it. And we'll definitely get into the nitty gritty of, you know, this matchup that we're expecting to be probably pretty ugly. But we'll, we'll definitely get into it. 
Yeah, I know our guest on the previous episode called it the NFC least. I think the Rams, though, looked at it as like the NFC feast. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Anybody that faces any of those teams. But you mentioned it, Will, and I think you're you're correct on your analysis of the Giants. I think they're better than maybe the perception of the whole entire that whole entire division. But um, yeah, it's definitely not a good one, and it's a good way to get rack up some wins. Yeah, uh, for sure. And we'll see uh, how these translate over. But but let's go ahead and take another step forward, another step inside of this game. And let's look at uh, some of the bigger offensive talking points uh, just this week. And I want to warn our listeners to kind of just brace themselves because we're going to rip off the Band-Aid. And we're going to begin by taking a look at the Chicago Bears offensive line this week as it's definitely the hottest topic surrounding this 5-1 and team. And arguably, it's the unit that can hold this team back the most. And I don't think I need to dive into all the numbers, but just in case you wanted to know, Cody Whitehair has given up the second most pressures at center with 15. Charles Leno Jr. has given up the eighth most pressures at tackle with 16. Jermaine Effetti, he's given up the 14th most pressures at guard with 12. Bobby Massey, he's 16th in pressures allowed at tackle with 13. So obviously, they're struggling up front to protect the quarterback. Um, on top of that, we already know just how poor the run blocking has been. Uh, you really can't find much positive right now in the play of the offensive line. To me, something needs to change. Something has to be done. And Nick, I know you and I were you know, formulating how we wanted to frame this conversation and wondering, does it make sense to go out in the market and get someone like a Quentin Spain who was released by Buffalo this week? I know a lot of Bears fans uh, and media are very uh, you know, curious about that potentiality as well. Or something that I've started to explore in my head that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet is maybe you give Arlington Hambright, uh, you know, our rookie lineman, a look because Coward is bad. And I don't think it can get much worse. And the fact that they think higher of Coward over Bars, to me, is a concern for both of those players. So for me, I don't know, Nick, it's one of those things that I just don't think it's going to get better with time this year. Uh, It's something that I just feel like a change is needed, but that could just be me here on this podcast. Where's your headspace of this Bears offensive line, the unit today? And if it does make sense to shake things up or keep it status quo, I mean, I know the are altering and shifting without life, without James Daniels. But still, what I saw was so bad, I would honestly try anything else. Yeah, so, Will, I have my notes from the Bears and Panthers game, and Rashad Coward comes up a lot on those notes, and nothing is good. To be completely honest, it's what you see from him is the lack of experience playing a left guard position, just being very hesitant and knowing who's his guy that he actually has to block. And if you are a step slow, playing football, you're going to you're gonna ruin a play. And there are so many instances where Rashad Coward was a step slow that a play didn't have any chance. So there, I wouldn't mind seeing an Alex Bars there. It can't hurt because Rashad Coward li- played that bad. But I might, I'll say this. Maybe this will help. Having Juan Castillo actually in the building, on the field, there to kind of help out this offensive line as the game's kind of progressing. He wasn't there. In Carolina, he was at home. I forgot which coach had to actually take the responsibilities for coaching up the offensive line, but it wasn't Juan Castillo. And we saw through the first two weeks what it could potentially do. You lost James Daniels. We all know that. I think he does help just having him there, but not to the degree to where we're going to feel comfortable. And if the Bears are going to go out and put the same game plan, what they did against the Panthers, and even the two weeks prior to that, the Bears are going to get whooped. 
And there's Aaron Donald, like I just said, who has extra motivation. If he is ever lined up, head up, or even an inside, outside shade on Rashad Coward, just put a, just kind of teleport Aaron Donald in the backfield because that's where he's going to end up eventually because <laughs> that's how good he is and that's how bad Rashad Coward is, and he need help. And you can't relegate everybody that you have, everybody in your grandmother to one guy because there are, what, 10 other guys on the defense. So it is that bad. I wouldn't mind seeing something change. I don't know if Arlington Hambright is the answer, but, look, I'm willing to look at any option because it was that bad last week. And it wasn't even just Rashad Coward. Like, on the play that Nick Foles threw an interception on, literally every lineman lost their battle. It was incredible. Like, it's mm-hmm. you shouldn't – everybody shouldn't lose their, the, the battle up front uh, on one play, but they did. And he has to throw – it's still a bad decision by Foles, but that was consistently happening regardless of who you looked at. I just pointed out Rashad Coward because he was the worst out of all of them. No, I'm not saying Hambright's the answer. I just think that, again, it can't be worse. You drafted him for a reason. He made it your active roster for a reason. And, again, if you don't trust Bars, even though I thought we saw better play out of Bars than we did with Coward last week, I don't know. To me, it's just poor decision-making, again. And I don't understand why it's obvious to us. So maybe it's not as crystal clear as it seems, and that's fair. I mean, I understand it, it can be complex up there, especially at the NFL level, but when Bars looked like he was someone who was getting more comfortable with all the snaps in that game after Daniels went down, and then you have Coward come in, and from start to finish, seemed like he was just getting worse, or he just couldn't even get good at one point. To me, it's a, it's a concern, and you talked about the Aaron Donald factor of this week. They did go after each other a year ago in that game, uh, when Coward was at right guard, and there was a lot of instances where that matchup wasn't boating well for the Bears either. And I'll have more on this as we get later on the show, so I don't want to give too much away right now. But like you, Nick, uh, I do think Juan Castillo being back is going to be helpful. I think throughout the week, you're, you miss his energy if you're that unit. He's your leader. He's your guy. You miss that energy. But I think most importantly, in games, for those in-game adjustments, you don't have someone there with the pedigree, the knowledge, the expertise uh, to go ahead and make the appropriate adjustments. So they were kind of, you know, driving blind a little bit. I mean, kudos to the coach that stepped in for him, but you're not going to be nearly at the same level as a Juan Casino. So I hope that does help, like you said. Is there anything else on the offense line that you want to discuss right now, or did we want to move on? We have a another concern that we need to discuss next. Yeah, no, I think with the offensive line, let's just see what happens on Monday night. But their performance last week against Carolina, if they consistently do that, Nick Foles, is he's going to be in trouble. Yeah, nope. there's no doubt Nick Foles is going to be in trouble. The lack of a run game is going to put him in more dire uh, straits as well. So it'll be very interesting, uh, something to watch out for, uh, for us as Bears fans next week and honestly for the rest of the year. But let's go ahead, Nick. I mean, let's not be shy this week. Let's double down our concerns here with this Bears offense, and let's look at wide receiver, specifically Anthony Miller. He does already have the same amount of touchdowns that he did all of last season. That's great. Um, but he, And he's also kind of catching the same percentage of his targets. That's fine. Um, but his yards per game is as low as it was during his rookie season. He's only averaging 28.2 yards per game, and he's only averaging about four targets per game as well. And that's down from 5.5 a season ago when he only had eight yards on three catches last week against Carolina. And he's been out there a decent amount. Uh, He saw only 40% of snaps in the first two weeks, but he's been seeing closer to about 60% over the last few games. And that's something where on the post game shows, Nick, you're like, 
where's Anthony Miller at? I don't even see him out there. And then we get into the week, you look at the snap counts, you rewatch the film, and you f- you find out he's out there more than you would uh, expect, which I think is a pretty big concern as well. Uh, throughout the week, I've been debating personally uh, what reasonable expectations, and we do this in Countdown to Camp, what are reasonable expectations for all this, all the Bears players? And I'm trying to recalibrate mine for Anthony Miller. Um, are we expecting to see his role on this offense? Uh, Should we expect more out of him? Should we demand more out of him? Uh, Can he become a consistent week-in, week-out factor on offense like we've once thought? Or do we need to accept that this is probably the Anthony Miller normal where we're going to get sporadic production? And I think, and honestly, maybe we need to just accept it. So let's recalibrate here on Anthony Miller. Nick, what are those reasonable expectations for him? And again, former second round pick, and ideally we don't even have to have these kind of conversations. Yeah. And I mean, this is a pick that the bears moved up to go get Anthony Miller too. So I think at this point, and look, it's not set in stone. He's only in his third year, right? Will. So it's nothing set in stone, but what he has consistently shown throughout his career is that he has these ups these these high marks where he'll have a two to three game maybe stretch where he's consistently getting the football maybe getting in the end zone being a factor on offense but then he has those stretches where like i think that he does finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from tempur-pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. doesn't even play as much on the field, but then you look at the snap counts like you said, and he has the same number of snap counts as Darnell Mooney last week in the Carolina game. So I think for for fans, it, it might... I would say realistically, you should lower expectations. The offensive line is not going to help keep Nick Foles upright, so he's not even going to get to maybe that progression anyway. But I think with Anthony Miller, he he's he wins on his routes, so he should be a guy that gets open, and he does. I think he does, but for some reason, whether it is just trust or lack of just executing a play, getting the right depth on a route, that's what's gotten Miller off the field and taking that trust from the coaching staff out of him and that's why we're seeing more targets receptions and just I think more reliability out of Darnell Mooney right now so I think we do have to lower him and that's sad to say because I think this is supposed to be the year this is supposed to be the year that Anthony Miller breaks out and actually becomes that number two it just hasn't been that way and I think that given all the the question marks on this offense right now, specifically the offensive line, it doesn't help him, but he's not helping himself. He's dropped the football a couple of times. He's ran the wrong, not ran the wrong routes, ran the wrong depth at routes and has lost, I think the coaches trust a little bit. So I think we lower our expectations. What about you? You have to. I mean, if you don't, I think we're going to just be more frustrated with him. If we lower those expectations and we just understand maybe he'll get hot at one point this season for a stretch, but who knows? Uh, and with Nick Foles, I mean, we haven't really seen what they can do together uh, right now. We saw the touchdown very first game when Nick Foles came in at the half or after the half and led the comeback uh, with that you know really great play to cap it all off. But outside of that, not a lot. Again, three catches last week, three for three in the targets, but eight yards. 
that's not going to cut it. That's not impactful game at all. And for me and Anthony Miller, you know, you said this is the year he's supposed to step into that wide receiver two role. He didn't do it. That's now Darnell Mooney's job. Easy discussion done. And I don't even know if he's a, a number three option right now at the receiver spot. I don't think the Bears like using a third receiver too much. I mean, they don't use it often. They like to look to the running backs right now. They're tight ends right now. And there's not a true number three threat that's a consistent one. Maybe that could be Miller, but as of right now, uh, maybe uh, every, once every few weeks or at some points this season, yes, but he's not someone where I would hang my hat up on You know, going into a game like this is going to be the Anthony Miller game or this is a game where he can break out. I think it's a crapshoot at this point to even know when or when he won't be available to play. And I told you there was a play still in that last game where he just kind of gave up on it. He wasn't involved in it. Play goes to Jimmy Graham, and he's walking back to the huddle, not assisting his guy. And those are still small, little subtle nuances that that doesn't show me if he can be a you know a team first kind of guy, a player you want out there on the field. And I don't know if it's a guy that people can like rally around, and if he's having that kind of an attitude. So for me, a lot of things, a lot of concerns here with Anthony Miller, and uh, I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that one too. But I figured entering this seventh game now. I think it's starting to put some cement into it, understanding of he's just not that player that we're hoping he could be. Yeah, and it's sad to say, but um, that's that's reality. At, at this point in time, now going to week seven of the 2020 NFL season, that's that's what Anthony Miller's shown. So unless he changes that narrative, it's going to be like that. Unless he goes forward when he catches the ball at the sticks. And move and gets that, that first help. down. You know, it's small things like that that really I can see why you lose trust in him. I mean, as a fan, I would lose trust, and as a player, as a coach, I would as well. Especially if it's a consistent issue with like the details. And we all know, and we've heard how big the details are to this offense, and honestly, every NFL offense details are huge. All right, Nick, let's quit harping though. Let's end our offensive discussion with a positive, and that's going to be Cole Komet. We. We're all so ecstatic uh, come, you know, at the end of last game to get some production out of him against Carolina. And now it wasn't a ton, two catches, 20 yards, a touchdown, um, but he did see a season high 30%, 35%, excuse me, of the offensive snaps. Then the Bears decided that, you know what, after that first half, that was enough. We'll go ahead and we'll play more Demetrius Harris. Harris, he did see a season low in his snap share. So Nick, as we move forward throughout this season, I think the hope is that the Bears would allow Komet to take some of the snaps away from Harris. And I know Harris, he's more of a run blocker, but even in that regard, I've seen plays on film where he's not nearly lights out in that regard either. So what I think is uh, frustrating is watching for us as fans, Nick, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, though, is watching some meaningful snaps, some meaningful targets go Harris's way in some crucial situations just to have him drop the ball both literally and figuratively. So for you... What are your thoughts on how the Bears can best utilize particularly Cole Komet, but really the tight ends in general as we kind of march forward now almost halfway through the season? Yeah, I think it starts with getting Demetrius Harris off the football field. Like, let's be completely honest. And you mentioned the run blocking. This is what he was supposed to come in and help with. I have it multiple times in my notes where he doesn't even come close to blocking his guy. And the one that really frustrates frustrates me the most is on the flea flicker. If you watch... Nick Foles kind of rolls to his right a little bit. The pocket's moving that way. It looks like it's actually blocked up pretty well. Demetrius Harris stops blocking his guy. I don't know why. It's a flea flicker. It's a long... It, this play takes longer to 
you know, unfold, he, he stops blocking Will. And I almost lost it just kind of watching. And then seeing that Javon Wims ran a pretty good double move. He did. And I think there's space enough for Nick Foles, given that his one of his best strengths is the deep ball, could have put that ball into Javon Wims' hands and given the Bears a big play. But Demetrius Harris just stops blocking. So the first step, getting Demetrius Harris to continue that trend with lower snap counts. And let's see what Cole Komet can do. Even on the touchdown play, you know, off off the, the Bears turnover, that interception, you see Cole Komet running, I think, is a good route because he's able to bend and the linebacker is trying to adjust him a little bit. But Cole Komet doesn't let that phase him. It still stays his course uses that big six-foot, six-body to corral the football. So he, I think he's a little bit more nimble than people give him credit to uh, for because he is a big guy, and, you know, you just think that, hey, you can't really run routes downfield, but I think he can, and we need to see more opportunities to do so. And on the, the other reception he had, he catches the ball. He's kind of dragging a guy with him. Mm-hmm. So he has that yards after the catch capability. And just last week against the 49ers, the Rams, well, it's George Kittle, uh, arguably the best tight end in the game. He was doing some damage against them. Not, let's not make the, I'm not making the comparison or anything, but I'm just saying that there could be opportunities. So I think we just need to let Cole Komet, like we were talking on the guest podcast yesterday, Will, that Mitch Trubisky was sheltered, right? Don't shelter this guy. Let this guy experience his rookie season. Let him run routes. Let him block. Let him have those those ups and downs. That's what's going to happen, especially for a, t- a rookie tight end. So just let Cole Komet loose. I think only good things can come from it. He's going to learn a lot anyway. Yeah. I mean, the best way to learn is through experience, for good or for bad. You can learn more from failure than you can from success. And uh, honestly, more from being on the field than off the field. So with you... Hopefully, we can get Komet more acclimated to this offense. We're seeing it slowly chip away, and it's not one where I think in within a week it totally flips on a dime, but if they can just keep this consistency up where he is getting a little bit more involved week in, week out, until we find that good volume share for him, uh, that'd be what I'm hoping for here. All right, let's switch over to the Bears' defense so we can put some smiles on our face. Ah, All right, that feels better now. Uh, and honestly, this Bears' defense, they've been, prov- they've been providing just a ton of excitement, and that's uh, over the last few weeks uh, just because we're starting to see guys really starting to step and heat up. You have Mario Edwards starting to become a real pass rush threat. Bilal Nichols, he's improving. He's holding down the nose better than earlier this season. Danny Trevathan is looking more normal than he did earlier in the year. Roquan's coming off a tremendous game. DeAndre Houston Carson, he's icing games. And Nick, early on in this season, when we were doing these shows, all the talk and praise went to the Bears secondary. They're really the strength of this team, this unit. And that still may be the case, but right now the front seven is starting to make its present felt too. So with all the players now seeming like they're starting to come into their own, and Nick, this may be a loaded question, but let's enjoy it. Is the fun just getting started with this Bears defense? I think so, Will. I mean, because in the first couple of weeks, it was a secondary really playing the most consistent and just best football for this Bears team. And they were still winning and still playing good defense despite the pass rush not being as effective. But what you've seen the past two weeks, this is where I think the Bears' potential to be elite is really at. When they have that pass rush 
combined with good tackling from their inside linebackers and just being able to get sideline to sideline. And then that secondary, which has had points taken away from them from pick sixes from A. Jackson, that's the recipe to see this defense really just get started. And we're starting to see all the pieces come together, and it's happening more consistently now. I'm, I'm now watching games like, okay, is this the time where they're going to get an interception? Are they going to get to the quarterback? I'm expecting it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can tell you this. In the beginning of the season, it was I didn't feel that way, especially with the pass rush, just how it was playing. But these last two weeks – it kind of it feels like a little reminiscent of 2018 where you are, you're expecting to see some of those big plays. So I think like you will it is just getting started and that is so exciting because they've been phenomenal. So if it's just getting started, uh, good luck offenses seriously, good luck. I mean, out of all the players I mentioned, we still haven't mentioned Robert Quinn yet and we're hoping there's a lot more brewing underneath that to get some killer production out of him and uh, I don't want to get back to the negative side and re, you know, get dark and doom and gloom again because he's not putting up the sacks. He is getting some decent pressures and pressures that are leading to some really big plays, uh, and that has its own value. I don't know if that's thirty million dollars guaranteed value yet, but I think that almost like what Nick Foles said right after the game, where it's like, if we were playing the best we can now and we are barely winning games then what's there to get excited about. But knowing there's a lot more potential is what is the most exciting. And I think that's almost the same with the Bears defense, not to the same degree because they're already playing at a high level, but knowing that there is, I think, more potential to unlock and to tap into as we go through this season. I don't think we, I think everyone agree that we have not seen this Bears defense even play their best game yet this season, uh, play a full four quarters to really dominate an offense yet. And I think we know there's more. And I think that's what should excite Bears fans a lot is knowing that we have to still get more production out of a Quinn. Khalil Mack hasn't taken over a complete game just yet. And just Roquan Smith, Andy Trevathan, how they've been kind of coming into the realm, I think they're going to get better as the season wears on too. So for me, yeah, Nick, I mean, the fun is just getting started. Uh, we'll talk about if this is another week where we can keep rolling, but for the better part of the rest of this season, I'm starting to get my confidence back that I think we all would admit was a little shaken early on in the year, especially uh, with that run defense. Uh, but right now, that's coming back. Uh, I'll talk about some numbers that kind of show that later on in the show. But, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see how everyone can continue to grow and build together. And we've talked about how the defense is like a well-oiled machine or when it is, when the front seven – or the front line is helping out the inside backers who then also help out the secondary. It's really awesome to watch. It's uh, super cohesive, and I think we're starting to see that. I saw that last week against Carolina and expect to see more of it, uh, I think, more consistently too, which the Bears have been a lot of bend, don't break. Maybe we started getting to some games where they're not even bending as much, which that would even take things to that next level. Anything else in just the general direction that this defense is heading? You know what, I think it's also exciting that in the past two games, at least, Akeem Hicks, his name hasn't been seen as much maybe on the stat sheet. He hasn't had any sacks, but still, this defense is dominating, and he was obviously on a tear the first couple of weeks of the season. And maybe it's it could be a multitude of things, but you have also Akeem Hicks more into the equation now with the past two weeks. Like, it's it's dangerous. I think Chuck Pagano's just done a good job, too, of really implementing a bunch of stunts. We saw that a lot happen 
in the Carolina game, and that really worked for Robert Quinn. Whoever was really matched up with him being the um, person coming around on that stunt, Bilal Nichols, that first sack of the game, that's benefiting this Bears front seven having a huge impact. But I, I just like what they're doing right now, and hopefully it continues throughout the rest of this season. Yeah, again, it's we're only entering now the you know week number seven, and when you look back at 2018 numbers, besides turnovers, this Bears defense is doing – uh, and against the run, but in terms of like points and points allowed and red zone efficiency, they're doing better this year than they were in 2018. And we already talked about the offense, but if they can just figure it out a little bit more, this season can get, it's already been a lot of fun, but it can get tremendously uh, exciting as we go through the remainder of it. But we talked about them as a unit, and we talked about early on this season, we talked a lot about the secondary. But I do want to focus on them for just a moment here because last week we talked about with what the Panthers were bringing to the table, that that was going to be their biggest test. And I believe, Nick, tell me if I'm wrong, but they passed the test? They passed the test with flying colors. They gave it. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Some yards, uh, specifically Buster Screen, Jalen Johnson, they allowed production. But I think we knew production was going to happen. But Fuller and Eddie Jackson, they were as locked down as they come. One target between the two of them, five yards allowed. I mean, that's big time. Fuller last week practically cut the field in half. And Jackson, we know, can really limit where quarterbacks can go with the football just due to his instincts, his range, and his ability to track down the ball. So when I'm looking at Fuller, someone who typically sees the lion's share of the targets from any quarterback any given week, QBs have uh, typically stayed away from him over the last few weeks, uh, which is a trend that I wasn't expecting to see. We've really rarely seen that here in Chicago. So, Nick, you may not know, but I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think quarterbacks, they're finally learning their lesson that maybe they shouldn't test Fuller? Or do you expect uh, the Rams this week to go after number 23 a little bit? Or do you think this may become uh, the new trend where offenses look elsewhere? You know, I, I've never understood in the first place why quarterbacks right. consistently targeted Kyle Fuller. He's just a guy that always usually plays seven, eight yards back and allows his instincts to make a lot of plays, and that's why he's in position to get these clean hits that shouldn't be flagged anymore, NFL, looking at you. Um, but I think with, with Kyle Fuller, um, I would expect – Look, I think this Rams offense is going to target whoever they want. They're going to try to keep it honest. But I know Jared Goff hasn't had much success looking his way. I, I know back in 2018, there was a target to him. Ends up being intercepted because of Kyle Fuller's hand dislodges the football. And he just hasn't a knack for being in the right place, the right time. And that's credit to his, his really, I think, his film study. And that's what Jalen Johnson talked about way back, you know, in early April when, when he got to the team and saying, like, yeah, Kyle Fuller's a guy that's always watching film. Or Eddie Jackson was the one who said, hey, I learned to watch film from Kyle Fuller. We see it on the, we see it on the field. He knows where to be, how to be in the right spot. But if the Rams want to target Kyle Fuller, I'm perfectly fine with it because I think that more times than not, he's going to make the good – he's going to make the right play, be in position 
to allow maybe somebody else in the secondary to benefit from a batted pass or whatever it may be because that's what Kyle Fuller is doing this season. I think if he continues this, Will, this this could be defensive most valuable player of the year awards. I, don't, I mean, he's playing that way. I really do believe that. And maybe the interceptions are not there, and I think that's going to be the big thing and if he you know gets a pick six or not. But he's playing that caliber of ball right now. And I, I think if the Rams want to target him, go right ahead. Right. Have fun. Give it a try. But – I can't wait, Nick, until one of these day, one of these years, and it's going to be way in the future. But when we do like a like a show dedicated to Kyle Fuller because he's retiring, and again, long time from now, but like just his career and like how quickly it started off so hot, fizzled out, the injury, the whole year off, and then just this steady increase of play and uh, every single year, and it's like we saw what he did twenty eighteen. Right, that's awesome. That's impressive. Last year. Everyone had an up and down year last year, but then right back to this all pro level this season, it's just, it's so much fun. And he's someone, he doesn't have a big personality. He's not a talker. And I think if he did have a bigger personality, he'd be such like a mega star in Chicago right now. But since he is secluded, he is quiet. That doesn't really happen, but I hope Bears fans like you and I have a tremendous amount of respect, admiration, and appreciation for Kyle Fuller because he is a vital part of this Bears defense and a big reason why they can't succeed. Like I said against the Panthers, he literally cut the field in half. And if you can do that, you make offense's job so much difficult. I mean, we know the Bears had to cut the field in half for Trubisky sometimes. So imagine forcing teams to do that when they don't want to. It's it's a great thing to have there at corner for us. But Nick, from our secondary over to our run defense and uh apparently uh it is a weekly segment at this point. I feel like every week we have to talk about the Bears run defense. I was going through preparations, and I was surprised when I saw some of the numbers over the last three weeks for the Bears. They've been pretty stellar um, in terms of yards allowed per attempt. Not yards allowed on the ground in general, but yards per attempt, which I think is a more accurate representation of what a defense is doing against running backs. Only allowing 3.7 yards per carry in the last three games, which is the fourth lowest in the NFL. Throughout weeks one, two, and three, they're allowing over five yards per carry, which is like ranked 26 in the NFL. So we went from like bottom five to top five within the last few weeks. Have, do you have any inkling as to what changed, or was it just getting, you know, acclimated to another season and learning how to live without Eddie Goldman? Because to me, that's probably the biggest one. Everyone had to adjust, figure it out. But I think now they're firing on all cylinders again. I think just like what we talked about the very first segment for this defense. They can still get better, which is very exciting. Um, but to see the turnaround from weeks one, two, and three, from four, five, and six, uh, puts a lot of confidence back that I think you and I were starting to lose in the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, so, Will, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Uh, one, probably getting used to Eddie Goldman is, is an obvious one. But I think seeing that the linebackers, Dane Trevathan, Roquan Smith, are playing f- better football in general, especially – when clogging up running lanes, I think that's helping this front seven to contain things a little bit better and not allow these these huge running lanes to kind of just open up and these running backs to hit them. So I think that's definitely helping and showing why the numbers are better in the Bears' favor as in the past like couple of weeks. And also, like Bilal Nichols, you mentioned the play, Will, on the postgame show uh, about Bilal Nichols kind of sticking his hand out there and making a fantastic play. I went and found that play. And then I just started watching number 98. Bilal Nichols is playing a lot better. 
just just looking at last week, so much better in that game than he was all of you know this previous this season. So if he can continue that, and even you know add in a Roy Robertson Harris, who again is not hasn't been as impactful, but if Bilal Nichols continues to own that nose tackle position, he's not a true nose, but if he can learn to play a little bit like like an Eddie Goldman, and on that play where a, it, you you can fit a whole semi-truck through the rushing lane, but Bilal Nichols just sticks his right hand out there and stops Mike Davis for a three-yard gain when it should have been, you know, 10-plus, easy. That's how big the lane was. So if he can continue that, and then obviously you have all these players that are playing in sync now seven weeks into this season, you you have a recipe for this run defense to really become substantially better, I think. Because a lot of factors were just wrong in the beginning. They're starting to fix those things. And, again, good luck opposing offense. If they can stop the run, you can't pass, well, you don't have any options left. So that that's all that comes down to it. I'm glad that you found my play and that you were uh, as impressive, not even more impressed than I was uh, watching that play live. Uh, because when I saw it live, I was like, and no one was talking about it. I'm like, that was a tremendous play. Uh, it happened fast. You're not going to see that one pulled up in a replay or anything like that. Not flashy enough, but I'm glad you saw that. I uh, gave Nichols uh, some of the appreciation. I think John Jenkins' return is going to help. Uh, he played a decent amount of snaps last week as well and helps where Nichols doesn't always have to play nose. They can move him back to his more natural fit, uh, move some guys around, and that is another benefit for this Bears defense. And I mentioned, too, Mario Edwards, he's been getting after the passer a lot, but this this rotation is so deep up front, I think they're all starting to understand their roles. Chuck Pagano's understanding when to deploy these people, when to play some, when to do some of these stunts. I think they're all just kind of figuring each other out now, and I think that's what we're starting to see some of this uptick. And hopefully uh, they don't make us eat our words uh, when we start to put some of this confidence back into the run defense that was starting to get lost. It's getting reinstilled, and hopefully it can stay that way. And, Nick, honestly, I mean, we'll talk about the game specifically here from this point on forward in the show, but – the ability to stop the Rams on the ground and put this game in Goff's hands, who has not done well against the Bears in his career, is crucial uh, to the Bears' ability to uh, really just slow down, limit, and control the Rams' offense all game long. So we need to make sure that our listeners know just how imperative that is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anything on uh, real quickly, special teams, biggest topic of the week, Cairo Santos, uh, Santos' little helper, special teams player of the week. I know he was your MVB. I kind of wanted to do it too, but I did go elsewhere. And I, <laughs> having him twice would have been not too crazy, but crazy enough for me. But other than that, which, by the way, kudos. And I think we hit it really well in our postgame show that with that performance, I think he cemented himself unless he loses his job by suffering and totally having a dip in production. He may have just earned himself a long-term spot at the position this season for the Bears. Again, it's a long season, and they can ride the hot foot as much as they want. But is there anything else on the third phase that you wanted to mention about this week? No, I mean, I think Cairo Santos, he should be the focal point. He's been playing some really good football. But I maybe just to go to the Rams side of things, I think you need to watch out for Webster, number 14. I can't. Nisaba, maybe I think that's how you pronounce his first name. Don't, uh, again, don't get paid to pronounce names but number 14 I think he's got some burst out there so just to kind of give the other side what to watch out for on special teams that's a guy that if you know Cairo Santos does give him an opportunity 
you guys better be in your rushing lanes and your lanes going downfield because I think he has the potential to break a long one, just like a Cordell Patterson has. Oh, maybe we'll see a Cordell Patterson, you know, return. We didn't get to see any of that last week. Uh, you know, there weren't any opportunities and the Panthers weren't going to let him even try it out. But it would be nice to see Cordell Patterson at least get an opportunity to take one, a kick return out for who knows. Oh, no, I, I feel like it's so Chicago Bears football when you have a returner that teams try to kick away from. It, it reminds me of a good old days kind of, you know, Chicago Bears mentality. So it did put a smile on my face when they did that last week. But like you, Nick, it's more fun watching Patterson have chances even if it's nine yards deep in the end zone, he gets tackled at the 16. We'll be mad about it at the time, but honestly, it's a pretty good chance for the Bears to get a pretty big play. So, uh, like you, hopefully he does get some opportunities this week. And, again, are they going to really try Ted Ginn Jr. at punt returner? Maybe. Is that the best option? No. Why are they doing it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to keep rehashing that, but it's still it really does confuse the living daylights out of me, Nick. But uh, anything else on the third phase, or do you want to do some X-Factors? Let's get to the X-Factors, Will. All right. So getting into our X-Factors, Nick, you and I, we prepare one X-Factor each on both sides of the football. So let's start with this Bears defense, just because we're talking about them right now or a second ago, and it's a little bit more fresh in our mind. Who are you going with your defensive X-Factor here for Bears-Rams? Yeah, so not going out of, for a particular player, but more so what the Bears need to do for an X-Factor to be successful in this game against this Rams offense is really be able to I think just it's going to have focus really when the Rams run play action because they are such a it's almost like every single other play play action Jerry Goff's running play and that's where a lot of the big plays happen that moves a lot of the linebackers so looking really if I have to go to specific players it's going to be Dane Trevathan Roquan Smith not to get influenced and it definitely doesn't help if the Rams are able to establish a rushing attack that's where the play action does become more effective. But you watch almost every other play. Jared Goff is turning his back towards the defense, faking that football to the running back, and then flipping, turning his hips, looking to see where he can get a deep throw to. So I think it's going to be the Bears' ability to not get influenced so much on play action that they're out of position, big windows open up behind these linebackers in front of these safeties, and then you're allowing big, big again, big plays to happen for this Rams offense. So... Staying disciplined, having good eyes just when watching play action, that's going to be an X factor in this one. It's a little different, but I think that's going to be key for this Bears defense to have success. That's a very fair one. I mean, when I was looking at X factors, I thought secondary versus their playmakers, which they're very good, but we've seen them now for the last few seasons, and we've done a good job of limiting them. And I think the secondary, the one that we have this year, is probably the best one that we've had over the last three seasons. I think they're better than the one last year. Uh, Jalen Johnson's an upgrade over Prince of Mukamara. I think Buster Screen, as much as we throw a little bit of shade his way, he's playing better than he did a year ago. And we all know Eddie Jackson's playing at a high level. Tashawn Gibson's playing decently as well. I feel good about that. Uh, up front with the Bears defensive line versus the Rams offensive line, I feel like there's some matchups you can exploit. But overall, I don't think we're going to see a bad game from that unit or an overly dominant game from that unit. So, like you, Nick, I'm looking at these linebackers as the big one. I had in my notes specifically Danny Trevathan. Last week, my X-Factor was Roquan Smith, and he ended up balling out and needing to do what we needed in order to stop the offense. And so, for me this week, I'm looking more at Danny Trevathan because he is that uh, more downhill attacker. And if we are going to get Henderson, and they like to, and if they can get some chunks on the ground, what I saw against the 49ers is they will not be afraid to run it 
three, four, five, six times in a row and wear you down. And so for me, uh, we need the Danny Trevathan that we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, is how I'm going to frame this X factor. If we see Danny Trevathan weeks one through three, and the Rams can move the ball effectively on the ground. Nick, that opens up your X-Factor of the play action. And if Danny's on the field because of the personnel utilization and he's having to overcompensate for being slow and they do suck him up and they are playing some sort of man and he has to go back and find his guy, I mean, we all know that's going to be a recipe for potential disaster for this Bears defense. So for me, Danny Trevathan's ability to stop the run, uh, and be the run stopper that we know, shooting the gaps. Last week, he was putting on some big hits near and around the line of scrimmage uh, on Mike Davis. We need him to do the same thing, whether it's Malcolm Brown, whether it's Daryl Henderson. I don't care the name of the Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Guy, but if he's a running back and Jared Goff's handing it off to him and he's either run, he's running the ball, you've, you attack downhill, you make him pay. Danny Trevathan's doing a great job of that now over the last couple of weeks. Need to see that transfer over, carry over, and I think if we do, that's the recipe to put the ball back into Goff's hands without the play action, which we already mentioned is the best-case scenario for this Bears defense is to have him just drop back, allow Hicks, Mack, Quinn, Mario Edwards, Blow Nichols, everyone to start teeing off and having themselves a day. I love when you can just ramble off a bunch of players that you know can make plays. That's <laughs> I, I wish those was the same story for the other side of the ball. We're not there yet, um, but for this Bears defense, we definitely can. But Andy Trevathan, my X-Factor, on defense, moving over to the Chicago Bears offense. Nick, before I say who mine is, because I'm going to go first, what is your position? Uh, offensive line. Cool. I figured. I mean, there's a, well, we have our back-breaking well, matchups. One. So we'll see uh, how this goes. For me, I'm going tight end uh, for an X-Factor. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. Uh, we did talk about Cole Komet, but the Rams have allowed four touchdowns to tight ends in the last four games. Graham, he's second in the NFL in the entire NFL, not just tight ends, uh, with four red zone touchdowns this year. Uh, and what I expect to be a low-scoring game, spoiler alert, we'll get there later, uh, it's just one of those big catches in the red zone could be a huge play in this one to really help the Bears in their odds to win this one. Uh, a couple key catches as well to sustain drives like we saw last week. I think Foles, we talked about the lack of trust in Anthony Miller. I think you can make the argument that he's building more and more trust with Jimmy Graham over the last few weeks, and I believe you'll start seeing Graham with some of these more crucial third-down catches, third-down throws to sustain drives on some of these option routes because they have such a canny ability to... Graham knows how to feel the defender, know where the leverage is, and Foles can read it and put the ball where it needs to be. They can find a way to do that, and no matter what the defense shows them, they know how to counter it. That can be a really lethal uh, connection, security blanket for Nick Foles. So when I'm looking at Jimmy Graham, whether it's on one of the Rams linebackers like a Michael Kis- uh, Kaiser, who he's second on the team in targets and yards allowed, 243 yards allowed and 35 targets, or the safeties. Uh, I know John Johnson's having a decent year, but in the red zone he has allowed three touchdowns. So if you could put that big six seven Jimmy Graham on him, 
that's another mismatch for the Bears. Um, and on top of that, I know Rapp, the other safety, is very hit or miss. Uh, so it would depend on who they want to put on Graham. But either way, good luck. And we talked about the red zone efficiency. The Rams defense in general, very middle of the road. They're allowing touchdowns on 63% of the trips. So in my notes, I put, let Jimmy Graham eat and do what he does best. And that's honestly, if the Bears can get that out of him. And like I said, what I'm expecting to be a low-scoring game, that to me would be a huge X factor to give this Bears offense the edge here in this game. So for me, Jimmy Graham, and you're looking offensive line, which I was hoping we didn't have to talk too much more about. No, well, I'll, I'll make it very specific, and I'll say Cody Whitehair is my X factor. And the reason I say this is he is the one guy that he's he's the leader of that offensive line. And to the left of him is Rashad Coward, a very inexperienced and not playing very well like we highlighted earlier. Then you have Jermaine Fetty, who's just in his first season with the Bears. All three of those guys in the interior really had a lot of miscues last week against the Carolina Panthers. You can't have miscues this Monday night against Aaron Donald. And that surprisingly front seven that has 20 sacks, which is looks like fifth in the league. I think it's th- that number's a little deceiving. Um, like we talked about it um, on the guest show yesterday. It, like they have 20 sacks, but I don't think that front seven is as good as the sacks kind of indicate. So the X factor is just going to be Cody Whitehair getting everybody in position. There was too many times last week watching the film where maybe two of the offensive line are going left and then the other side's going right. And you know what happens when that when you have guys going in the wrong directions? You have a huge gaping hole in the middle and a defender is in Nick Foles' face. Cannot have that any longer, or just, you can't have it as consistent. I'm not going to say that it's going to magically get fixed, because I'm saying it should, but you have to try to make it less consistent than it was last week. So Cody Whitehair, tagged with a Juan Castile, now being there, coaching him up throughout the week, and hopefully the in-game adjustments that we talked about, that's going to be huge for whether the Bears actually want to look, try to establish the run, that's like a joke at this point, or try to keep Nick Foles upright, which is, more, I think, really, obviously the most important thing. So X-Factor, Cody Whitehair, and I would say, like, communication. So that I think that's going to be key in this game. All right. Uh, I have my work cut out for me when we get to our back-breaking matchups later on. Thank you. Well, I'll figure this one out. But speaking of <laughs> X-Factors, Nick, I know that the X-Factors for us or those uh, listeners uh, that make a huge difference uh, by supporting our show with their generous donations. So do you want to let uh, people know how to support the show? I know we have you have a couple shout-outs, and I have one, so don't forget about me over here either. Yeah, so I'll toss it to you before, Will. I, I say how you can donate and help us out. But we did get a couple of donations this week, and – Again, thank you so much for everybody that has donated in the past. But I just want to give a special shout-out to Garrett, who donated. Thank you so much for, again, the donation. It really helps to make this thing happen. Uh, We're here talking every week, Bears football, and your donation really helped out. Thank you so much, Garrett. And then we have Dean Mason. Dean, you gave a generous donation that does not go overlooked between Will and I, um, from the software that we use, from the camera that I'm looking at you and saying the shout out to. Really appreciate it, Dean. And before I tell you where you can donate to help us out, I'll throw it over to you, Will, for your shout out. Yeah, I have one that came in through uh, PayPal this week, which goes to uh, Ben Caddy. And Nick, when I read Ben's name, which by the way, Ben, thank you so much for your donation. Uh, Nick, I know you mentioned software. Uh, We've been toying around with some additional softwares that we can help us maybe enhance our live stream of our show. 
Uh, so the uh, ability for us to even do that was made possible by our donations over the last month. So I want to make sure people know that uh, their impact uh, is felt, it's appreciated, and uh, allows us to maybe have a little bit more fun as we kind of toy around with some new tools that we've uh, discovered. And again, always trying to improve our product. But when I saw Ben Caddy's name, Nick, I thought about the Bears 100 weekend when you and I were hanging out at the Caddy Shack restaurant in the hotel uh, for those couple of nights that we were able to have in Rosemont, which was a, a pretty good time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, my girlfriend and I were around that area, I don't know, maybe a month ago now. I'm like, Will and I, we had a great time at the Caddy Shack. Really, uh, long nights, right? <laughs> there were some late nights. but Early mornings. Early mornings, <laughs> late nights. But that's what you do when you're out there with all your uh, you know, your Bears brothers, your Bears sisters, all the way in uh, from around the country there at that convention. Uh, one of the best weekends of my life. I know yours as well. And I got to watch you get your mustache shaved and have to take it all the way down because you never let someone – uh, shave you for free, even if they say they're uh, a professional at it, is the lesson that we learned, uh, which is uh, something that I would just want to make sure everyone listening knows, because you do not want to have that happen to you. Um, pretty embarrassing, huh? Yeah, that should be a soundbite. You don't want to let anybody shave you for free. Like, we can take <laughs> that and just post it somewhere. Like, that. that's an interesting... Wait, what's going on there? Yeah, that was... Uh, won't do that again, but... I- yeah, I, I end up shaving everything off. Uh, to get back to how you could donate to the Chicago Audible, here's how you can make that happen. Uh, you can either donate through Venmo or PayPal. And through Venmo, our handle is at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name, should see the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, that's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And one last time on Venmo, at the Chicago Audible. And on PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Awesome. You can look at the live stream later, and you can see what I was trying to do. I saw that. Yeah. It's, it's a cool graphic there. I didn't. Even, I forgot to met. I saw it. I'm like, that's cool. See, we're already trying to mess with things. Mm-hmm. But if we get the other software to work, I think it just allows for so many who knows? I think a lot of cool things can happen as well. Yeah, we'll keep it under wraps for now, and fingers crossed we can get through a few roadblocks. But, Nick, it's time to get back to action and talk about this Bears-Rams game. And up next, we have our pivotal matchup, a.k.a. otherwise known as, in case you forgot again, Nick, the backbreaker matchup. And for me, I have an offensive one. Uh, and it's okay that you kind of talked about it already because I think it is the biggest matchup in this game and I would not I would be lying if I was like well it's an easy one let's find another one this week kind of like I did the week ago this one's just so important it just makes so much sense in the world and I have three of them I have Jermaine Effetti versus Aaron Donald I have Cody Whitehair versus Aaron Donald and Rashad Coward versus yeah you guessed it Aaron Donald is his name uh Donald he leads all defensive linemen with 36 pressures this year he has eight sacks already on this season that's a 21 sack season pace and he already had one 20 sack season under his belt he lines up all over you'll see him lined up uh on all three of these players throughout the entire game and re-watching last year's game Donald always had his way when he was squared off against a Rashad Coward. He just made him look silly, uh, like falling backwards with swim moves. Donald's over his shoulder and behind him before I think Rashad Coward even knew the ball was snapped. And he's going to stunt around too, Nick. You talked about the Bears stunting uh, against uh, us last year with Aaron Donald. They had him stunting so much. So he's lined up almost in the B gap. Uh, so say he's lined up between this game would be like a Fetty and Bobby Massey. 
the ball be snapped, he would try to go all the way around and work himself into the B gap to the left side of Rashad Coward at left guard. Like he's really trying to pick some different angles here. And you talked about it and I'm very proud of you uh, for talking about communication because in my notes I had, it's up to Cody White here because he's the anchor between both of these guards to communicate and also to help out each of his guys, depending on what Aaron Donald's doing on any specific play. But those, not just those bull rushes that he has, or those quick swim moves, like those stunts and his ability to, and how the Rams like to execute and doing almost like little pick plays inside of the defensive line to get two linemen caught up on one defender, allow Darren Ronald, Aaron Ronald, Aaron Donald to run around him. That's a mouthful. And to get into the backfield in a hurry because he has tremendous speed and get off. Uh, that's going to be a very big challenge for the entire uh, interior of the Chicago Bears offensive line. And if Coward can't pick up his play, this obviously is going to be something that can just destroy all of the Bears' plans on offense, whether it's running the football, trying to pass the ball, uh, what have you. So my key here on top of this uh, backbreaker matchup is just get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, we know this. Uh, Foles has been doing it very well since he's been inserted in as the quarterback for the Bears. I think it's like fourth or fifth fastest time to throw right now in the NFL. But again, if the interior offensive line struggles to contain Donald, again, he's averaging over six pressures per game. It could, if it just leads to one big play for that Rams defense in the game, how we're envisioning it to be an ugly kind of game, uh, that's going to really put the Bears in a bind. Uh, so it doesn't it only takes one play for Aaron Donald to wreck the entire game. And I think he has a pretty good shot of getting that play. Uh, just looking how our offensive line has fared. Uh, so that has to be the backbreaker for this Bears offense. Switching over to defense, Nick, what's going to be your backbreaking matchup? Yeah, so I think this one's going to come down to Buster Screen versus Cooper Cup in the slot there. I think that when you look at Cooper Cup, he hasn't had maybe the season that he's had in previous years in terms of production and getting into the end zone. Only two touchdowns on the season. But he does have 18 receiving first downs, which does lead the team right now for the Rams. And if you just look at the tape last week against the 49ers, he easily could have had his third touchdown of the season. But Goff and Cup were... I get there's miscommunication on two plays actually. There's a deep ball where Cup is in the slot against the nickel defender, gets behind him. But for some reason, Cooper Cup looks over the wrong shoulder, ball falls incomplete. And then Cooper Cup dropped a touchdown in the end zone. So they're looking to target him. And Buster Screen's been someone that has been targeted. You have to target somebody in this Bears secondary. So teams have thought Buster Screen is going to be the guy that you're going to try and get yards against. And look, he did give up some last week against the Carolina Panthers, but nothing too big. Had DJ Moore caught that one pass on fourth down, then maybe we're talking about a different story. That's Buster Screen in coverage. But I think really the backbreaker is going to be him against Cooper Cup. If you remember last year in the 2019 matchup between the two on Sunday Night Football, that was the play where Cooper Cup has a 50-yard reception. Buster screens in coverage, late to get over there. It gets ruled a touchdown initially, but Cooper Cup gets pushed out of the bounds at the one-yard line. The Rams go on to score, I think, on the very next play, but you can't allow that to happen, these big plays to happen. The Rams' offense really struggled, and I think a big part of it last week against 49ers, a big part, Cooper Cup didn't have a really good game, or there are miscues between him and Goff. So I think the backbreaker matchup is going to come down to how well Buster Screen can hold up against Cooper Cup. But if that front seven for the Bears is is revving up and getting after Goff, can make his job a lot easier. Yep, that, I mean that's you're right, and that's the big one when you're looking at all their playmakers and how they stack up. I feel 
confident. Kyle Fuller, we've expressed that fully. Uh, the safeties as well. Jalen Johnson, even though he gives up plays, he doesn't, and he gives up some big ones, but his short memory will allow him not to make consistent big play allowed after another. And Buster Screen, as we know, has been, he's the weakest of the bunch. And that's not a, a knock. I mean, there's always going to be a weakness of any unit, and he's the one for the Bears. And with Cup and how much he plays in a slot, it just makes a lot of sense. So for me, Nick, those are two back-breaking matchups. Those make a lot of sense. Are you time to find out? Uh, are you ready to find out? I should say, who has the edge? Let's do it. All right. Well, guess what? You're up first. <laughs> Bears run offense <laughs> versus the Rams run defense. Well, I think you made it easy for me because I'm going to go with the Bears or not the really? Bears. Really? Okay. Tell me more. Run. Tell me more. Yeah, I, I wish I could. I'm going to go with the Rams run defense until the Bears rushing attack really shows me something and you can't take anything positive from last week you really can't um the only thing there were a couple of good runs that happened later in the game and i'll credit really i'm going to credit that to david montgomery more than anything showing patience for somewhat of the line or the 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 wall that was created from from this bears offense line he got to the edge a couple times so i'll give him that credit but really this bears offensive line is in bad shape Maybe it does play a little bit better now that Juan Castillo is going to be there. But unless there's a change, they sign somebody, I don't know if you can expect it to get that much better. And that's sad to say. That's just what the Bears have been dealt with on offense. So I'll give it to the the Rams run defense. And really, I mean, they're a good unit. But any, I think I'll take anybody right now against the Bears rushing attack. They haven't shown me anything in the past couple of weeks that would make me go in the other direction. And we talked about that last week, right? Like they need to do something to give us any confidence, and they're not. Uh, real quickly, before I give my next edge, um, I did see a comment in the chat, and I did check the Bears' Twitter, and I can confirm that uh, Buster Screen did not practice today with an ankle. Uh, something to also consider. I think, though, Nick, that just exasperates your point. So if Screen's unable to go and they have to make an adjustment, which I would assume would be Kendall Vildor, uh, you don't think do, Shelley right no yeah i would think uh kendall vildor so, would get the knock over so that's another inexperience would play a huge factor as well so whoever's that nickel corner regardless i think i'm not gonna say screen won't play yet i think it's early enough in the week this is their first injury report day just because they play on monday night uh i won't i don't think we should dive too much into it because he played fine uh he didn't seem like he was too uh hindered on the game against Carolina, but I think that would just almost make your X factor bigger if it's just nickel corner in general. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that's not the case. It's still early in the week somewhat, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I appreciate that to uh, to make sure let's go get uh, Kyle Waddle inside of uh, the chat there on YouTube. Thank you, Kyle, for pointing that out. Uh, as much as we put in efforts and preparations for the show, Nick, I know you have a full-time job. You have a grad school. I'm doing full-time job work too, so – Things get missed uh, within a couple of hours before doing the recording, so that's always super helpful. So getting back to the edges, I have Bears pass offense versus that Rams passing defense. And honestly, Nick, that's an interesting one. And to me, it's all about perspective and what an edge means. I know I almost take this as a huge question each week, like what is the edge and how can I find a way to make it in the Bears' favor, it feels like. But if you look at this one specifically, outside of Aaron Donald, the Rams do not have much of a pass rush. So if, and a big if, the Bears can limit Donald, that should help. 
Uh, the Rams are a top 10 defense in terms of pass rating allowed, only allowing an 87.9 in the season and in yards allowed. They're middle of the pack in terms of coming away with big plays like interceptions, um, but they are the best defense in net yards gained per passing attempt. That sounds like a lot of words for a stat. That just means every time a quarterback throws the ball, they average 5.5 yards gained. Now, the Rams don't allow many big plays through the air, obviously with that stat. That's the lowest number in the NFL allowed. But here's the thing. The Bears don't make a lot of big plays on offense anyway. We know that. They don't make big plays through the air. They're going to take their time moving the ball, even if Nick Foles is throwing it uh, every single play. I also think that the Bears will get some good production from their backs, their tight ends in the passing game. Again, maybe with the backs, it is more of an extension of the running game that Nick mentioned hasn't given us much confidence right now. But the Rams do a pretty good job of limiting receivers. Only three receivers this season have gotten 80 or more yards against them. Do I think the Bears will do enough passing it against the Rams? Yeah, but are they really the better unit between the two, between the Rams secondary and the Bears passing attack? No. So I'm going to give the edge here to the Rams. Switching over to our defense, uh, I have Bears running defense versus Rams rushing offense. And the Rams have two, maybe three very capable backs. Uh, Henderson and Brown are the two I'm focusing on here. Henderson, he should see the majority of the touches. He rushed for 80 or more yards in three games so far this season. But in the other three games, he's had less than 38 yards. So he's very inconsistent at best. And I don't think I need to overcomplicate this one. I'm going to take a deep breath and just put some trust that this run defense are as improved as we think they can be. Uh, They can become a top 10 run defense in the NFL still this season. Uh, I don't expect the Rams run game to really blow apart the Bears game plan. And if the Rams, uh, as we've seen, as we heard from our guests, they're prone, just like the Bears, from ditching the run. So if the Bears can find a way to make that uh, one-dimensional offense, as we've already talked about, uh, it's going to put the game right into the Bears' hand. That's going to be the key. Uh, the key is stopping the run. Bears know that. I think they'll come ready for it. So for me, I'm going to give the edge here to that Bears defense. It's only allowing 3.7 yards per attempt over their last three games. And I think they can bottle up Henderson. We've seen the Bears with the same offense bottle up Todd Gurley in the past multiple times. So for me, I'm ready to see it yet again. Another running back, but it doesn't really matter. So for me, edge to the Bears. Nick, over to you. Bears passing defense versus that Rams passing attack. You know, I have to go with the Bears passing defense because Jared Goff is a quarterback that's going to be leading that Rams passing offense, and he has not had success against this Bears team. I mean, look, you just look at the the stats from the past two games in 2019, 11 of 18. So they didn't ask him to pass as much. They didn't. But 11 of 18, 173 yards, Zero touchdowns, one interception. And then in the game in 2018, which was just a crapshoot of a game for any offense on that Sunday night, uh, 20 of 44, 180 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. So in that game, like comparing those two, Jared Goff only threw seven more yards despite having 26 more passing attempts in that 2018 game than he did just last year. So he has not had success, whether it's been Vic Fangio's at DC or Chuck Pagano. And I think that continues, especially because we talked about it. Well, this Bears defense is just getting started. So Jared Goff, he was missing a lot of passes just last week against the 49ers. And I the pass rush for the 49ers wasn't even that good. There were no sacks in that game. So 
Jared Goff, I think, is going to be seeing ghosts, a lot, very similar to what Sam Darnold was seeing, what, earlier this season, whatever it was. Um, but I think that's going to be a problem for, for Jared Goff, so I have to take the Bears' passing defense. I just love, you know, the stats that Goff has had over the last couple of games versus the Bears. I mean, five interceptions thrown, no touchdowns thrown. It's You feel like they have his number, uh, whether it be Vic Fangio, Chuck Pagano, just his Bears' defense in general. I think they know how to limit Jared Goff, and I'd be interested to see if the Rams maybe do have to try something new this week that they've been kind of saving or hiding just because if they do the same old song and dance, I don't think it's going to yield them the results that they need. Now, again, they can do that all they want. Nick, you and I will not complain, um, but I do feel like they're going to have to have some wrinkle or two that maybe the Bears haven't seen, but even then, is that enough? I don't think so, um, but would be curious to see if something like that does happen here. But Nick, it's time to move into the final portion of our show and enter our predictions. And we have to begin like we always do with our bold prediction. So what is going to be your week seven bold prediction? Good. I'm, I'm glad I got this all done. I finally, uh, so I'm not going to lie, I wasn't as prepared, but I got all those numbers right here, Will. I think the Bears defense is going to have its best game Overall, in every category that you can statistically look at a defense compared to what they've done this season. So they'll have the lowest, they'll give up the lowest number of rushing yards, which was 75. They'll give up, they'll give up 74 total rushing yards. In terms of passing yards, their lowest mark this season is 186. They'll get below that with Jared Goff as quarterback. They'll give up less points, which from their lowest mark, 13. I don't want to give away my final score. I'll say they'll go lower than that. And the defense will have an interception, a fumble, and a safety. We went trifecta. If that was a parlay, I would, I'd be rich. That's what would happen if all that happened. But that's what's going to happen. It's going to be the best game we've seen out of this Bears defense. I went bold. Bold or go, go bold or go home? No? Yeah, I, I like not, go bold or go home. I can get behind okay. go bold or go home. So... Although I think we're both at home right now, so I guess we don't have to go bold. Where do we go? Where do we go from here? I don't know. Uh, so for me, Eddie Jackson has a pick six, and the referee has a flag in his hand and is really thinking about throwing it, but then he pockets it. That's a bold prediction, but no. But for real, uh, this one may not sound like crazy, and it's not involved as yours. It's one player, two stats, and I'm going to say it, and you're going to be like, no way in hell, and that's right, but that's what makes it a bold prediction how about a 300-yard, three-touchdown day from Nick Foles? That is bold, Will. That's a bold one. I mean, it, it hasn't been done, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> right? I mean, they've only given up. The Rams have eight passing touchdowns this year. And, oh, by the way, the Bears' defense have only given up four passing touchdowns this year, which is the lowest in the NFL, and no one else has less than seven. So it's like four for the Bears and then a bunch of sevens and then the Rams at eight. So just wanted a, another awesome – Let's pump up the Bears defense while we can kind of moment. But, yeah, I figured that sounded bold. And I would love to have a kind of game like that where things – I mean, Nick Foles is like that passion. If you can bring that passion that we've been hearing, uh, we heard about post game. I, like, I listened to his presser earlier today, and he seemed to have some of it still, like really believing in his guys and what they're doing and know that it's going to click here eventually. And I would love for it to click here on Monday night. And if he has that kind of performance under the lights uh, national television – uh, against the team that you know everyone is big on, uh, I think that cements the Bears as real contenders here in the NFC. So again, bold prediction. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but if it does, at least it's my bold prediction, and I can have uh, I can hit on that. 
Uh, so, Nick, let's go ahead and uh, predict who is going to be our MVB when it's all said and done. So for you, Nick, who do you think will be the MVB uh, come the end of the game? Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely somebody on the defense. And I don't even know. We probably have mentioned his name maybe once or twice, but I think it's going to be Khalil Mack. It's prime time. Again, we've talked about this matchup now three times now. It's Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. They're on the same football field. Hoorah, right? The, the two best defensive players in the game. But And I know I must have said something along the lines last year, Khalil Mack's going to outshine Aaron Donald. Can this be the game? Can we see? It's, look, Khalil Mack, whatever he does, is probably going to be great come Monday night. It really is. But I want to see Khalil Mack just dominate. This is an opportunity for him to really go against this this Rams offensive line and just wreak havoc, and especially because everybody else is is playing such good football around him and I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary of that and just have maybe some one-on-one matchups and just exploit guys so when it's all said and done Khalil Mack's going to be a part of probably two uh yeah we'll do two of my my bold predictions like I said an interception fumble safety he's going to be a part of the reason why the Bears get the fumble a forced fumble and get the safety I love how you always find a way to mess your bold prediction with another prediction It's, it's a lot of fun it's an art form and uh kudos it's something i look forward to each and every week you do a great job for it (laughs) nick me i I guess i'm doing the same but not really Uh, i have nick Foles as my mvb prediction here um in a game like this one i think he's gonna have to be on um he's not gonna need to uh squander the game he just really needs to manage this game and he needs to have a clean performance uh he has to find a way to – he doesn't need to have the biggest of numbers. He doesn't need to adhere to my bold prediction, although no one's going to complain if he does. But he needs to, and I think he will, orchestrate drives. He's going to make some big throws, and he's going to put this team in a spot to win. And he's not going to put this Bears defense in bad spots unnecessarily. Uh, I'm sure you and I – it's a Bears game. It's going to come down to a single score. It's going to come down to the final drive, the final possession. And a game that like this that matches up so evenly, it can really come down to turnovers or limiting turnovers. And I think with the Bears' inability to run the ball, we're going to have to see Nick Foles put the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, the last time we saw that happen from a Bears quarterback against the Rams, I'm looking at 2018. Mitch had a very rough go at it. I don't think you see that same kind of performance out of Foles. And imagine that 2018 game if we had someone like Foles that wouldn't turn the ball over that many times. Maybe that game wasn't nearly as close because that was golf through an interception. Now Mitch threw one back, and it was just back and forth, and it was ugly. And if Nick Foles can just not have an ugly game and allow the Bears' defense to make things difficult for the Rams, again, the whole defense as a unit I think will be firing, and that's why it's hard to find an MVP on that side of the ball. And I know they're not going to run the ball well, the Bears won't, so it has to go to Foles. And I think just game management – is enough this week. And actually I had this all down this morning when I did my prep and then listening to his presser, he's like, I just need to do what it takes to win. I'm not here to score a thousand fantasy points. I just need to do what I need to do in order for us to be in a position to win. And I'm like, is he reading my notes or do I have like some interconnection with Nick's in the world? Cause you and I think a lot alike. And then Nick Foles is saying what I'm writing down in my notes. And uh, that made me feel pretty good uh, when I was cooking dinner, listening to that there on my phone. But yeah, Nick Foles is going to be my prediction for MVB. So Nick, over to you game pick. We're both four and two so far this year. So the bears are better than us. And I, I'm glad to say it, uh, but four and two on the year, 
we're going to be tight all year long. It's fine, though. Maybe not. We'll see uh, what you're thinking of uh, this game going. So without further ado, Nick, uh, what's going to be your game pick? Yeah, so I'm going with the Bears, Will. I don't. I think just how we framed it up this podcast, we, we like the matchups and like what the Bears can potentially do, especially that defense against Jared Goff. And to make sure my bowl prediction somehow factors into what this game score could be, it's going to be an 18-12 to 12 game. So they're going to score the lowest points, remember, is 13. So the Rams will score 12. And you know what? I really wanted to make this 9 because the Rams kicker, not very good at field goals. But we'll give them 12 just to make it safe. And the Bears, so they would have to score a safety, a touchdown, and three field goals. I think that that's math, and that's how you get to 18, if I could do that right. So 18-12 Bears. You can get to 18 a lot of ways. You can get three touchdowns and I miss every single extra point. No, <laughs> we're not doing that. You're not doing Cairo that. Santos, we're having a very different uh, conversation with Cairo Santos if that's happening. You, you, but 18-12. You can have one touchdown, three field goals, and a safety? That's what I said. Oh, dang it. Well, how about you just do a safety, three field goals, and a touchdown, flip the order, boom, it's different right i guess I, I no it's not so nick you and i always think alike i think you listened to my uh prediction that we did on our guest show last night for his podcast because i took the 18 and you stole it from me so i should have went first because now people think i'm stealing it from you but i have the bears 18 i have the Rams scoring 13 so very close indeed but i don't think i need to rehash it it's going to be uh, another one of those low scoring defensive games that as Bears fans I think we're all going to expect happening Rams they, they may as well but I think a lot of people from the outside they're gonna be like what kind of trash is this game and why am I watching it even though I think it's everything that we're going to come to expect from a Bears game so it's going to be one of those Nick like you it's close and uh, like I said for my MVB it's going to come down to the final possession whoever has the ball uh, with a few minutes left it's going to have a chance to win this game either icing it or putting themselves over the top with a lead it's going to be one of those games like every single week here in 2020 for the Bears so 18-13 is my final score prediction and I was feeling pretty good after my last one it came pretty close uh, so we'll see if uh, well I guess I can say me but I guess you and I can both be very close on this one together so nick any uh well i guess you do have final thoughts because we need to do our confidence meter so tell me how confident are you that the bears actually do win i mean we both have them projected to win but how likely or how confident are you scale one to ten yeah we both have them winning but they're both a one score game so i'm gonna and it's it's been close with all the matchups with the bears and rams total 45 points scored between both teams and both matchups 45 points not not very high scoring not a big margin of victory so confidence so i'm at like a 6.8 that the bears will win this and we're right on i I had a 6.9 uh which i was gonna do that uh, yeah, imagine we both went at 6.9, the comments that would have been happening here on this show, but I'm glad you went 6.8. You had 18-12, though, right, was your score? 18-12, yep. So you had the Bears winning by one more point, yet you're one point less confident than me because I had a 6.9 and you're doing the 6.8 because I had a five-point margin of victory. You have a six, and yet I'm apparently a little bit more confident than you. That's interesting in its own right, but continue. 6.8 for you. 
Yep, and I think, look, it, it's been such a close matchup, and I mean, you're you're right there. We're in the same exact ballpark of where this game can go, and I think it, come Monday night when people are watching this game, well, they're just going to be like, haven't we seen this before between these two teams? Because it's been there've been primetime matchups. Mm-hmm. It's been Sunday night, Sunday night, and now Monday night. Like you should know by now, this is not going to look good. No, it's our luck. You know, we say all this, and it's going to be the one weird game, the anomaly. It's like a forty-five, forty-two slugfest offensive battle. No, it's not. But no. not at all. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm at a seven. Uh, concerns with the offensive line's huge. Uh, their inability to help us establish a run, their inability to keep folds clean. Aaron Donald, uh, real concerns. And as I, I do think I have more faith in the Bears' defense to do what it needs to do. I just hope that if the Bears can keep the Rams under, we both had you know 12 and 13 points, but if they can keep them under 20 points, you have to hope that the Bears can find enough offense in this one. Um, I think we've seen teams prove you can score on the Rams this year. Uh, we've seen it, and hopefully the Bears can be one of those teams that can be a part of that equation as well. But, yeah, if the Bears defense can do what I think it should be able to do against this offense, to me it all just comes down like it almost feels like it does every week for this Bears offense's ability or inability to score points. And hopefully they're more prone to finding points than not this week. And uh, I think that's what's going to come down to. Defense I'm confident in. If this is Bears defense versus the Rams – I'd be up there like the nines, but this Bears offense uh, kind of you know it drags it down just uh, a little bit. So Nick, any final thoughts as we wrap things up here? Yeah, I think um, this is a, another good test. Like what we were saying last week against the Carolina Panthers, we're going to see this Bears team and see what it can do against good competition. I think, and, and the Rams are going to be thinking the exact same thing coming into this matchup against the Bears. So. We'll see what happens. We do have to wait a extra day to see the, the end result, and I, that just makes me a little bit more antsy. Like on Sunday, like I'm watching all the football games. It's great and all, but it's not my Bears. So, um, And we already talked about what we're going to do in place of that, but it should be an – I don't want to say it's going to be a good game. We just said how ugly it's going to be, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what this Bears team can do in prime time against an opponent that they're very familiar with. And the last time they were in prime time this year against a, a big test, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they they passed it. So let's see if they can do it again. Two big wins on the national stage through seven weeks. They can finish six and one. Nick, I don't care if the game's ugly. That's a great result, and that's a great start to your season. And all smiles to be had by you, me, our listeners, all the other Bears fans that don't know about us yet, but one day will find us. Uh, we'll all be happy about the result, no matter how ugly it is. At least I would hope. There's always going to be a few that's not. Um, but I'm at the point now where if you can find a way to another win here, it, it's hard to deny some of the results you're seeing, especially against uh, the Rams here yet again. But, Nick, uh, thank you for your time today, sir. Uh, it's always a good time getting to talk Bears football like you. Uh, extra day to sit and ponder how this thing will go is always fun, but we'll see how it shakes out. I want to thank everyone uh, for listening to our live show here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, uh, to our negative one viewer that we always get on Twitch. Thank you so much as well. Uh, to the thousands of people, though, worldwide that listen to our podcast, no matter which country, which state, where you are in the world, uh, just know that we appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you feel more prepared for this game than you did before you started listening to the show. That is our goal, to make you the most informed Bears fan on game day. Make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. That helps us find more Bears fans, or technically they find us. 
and perhaps lead to some extra sponsorship opportunities for us. Uh, those numbers do help us uh, kind of display our passionate audience and listener base that really do help some of those conversations. Uh, but until then, you know, until next time, have a great weekend. Enjoy your Sunday if you're watching football. Uh, find some good games. Uh, find Red Zone. Uh, relax. Have a good time. If you're uh, one of the Bears fans that you can't do it because you just need to get ready for the Bears game, enjoy your Sunday plans. Uh, maybe you're getting some pumpkins, doing some fall festivities with your family. Whatever you're doing, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday night, some of you Tuesday morning for a Bears post game show. And hopefully, we are talking about a Chicago Bears team that is six and one and looking to prove themselves as contenders here in the NFC. So have a great weekend. Talk to you then. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.